Balotelli, Aguero! I swear you'll never see anything like this ever again! Gavin keeps it. Skill on goal, look at that pass! Haydock! Goal, Columbus! There are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross, and Dempsey's denied again! And Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! This is the beautiful game. Oh, it's incredible! Described by two uglies. Stupendous! Welcome to Bone and Beam United. This is a thing of genius. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am Beam. And you are listening to the Bone and Beam United World Edition. Every other week we're doing, you know, crew and then back to the like rest of the world of soccer. So this week we're all talking about all the rest of the other leagues out there that are not the crew and MLS. But of course, Bone and Beam United brought to you by Zaftig Italian Village, the official soccer bar of Bone and Beam United. Beamer, how's your week been? It's been pretty good, man. Been a uh, pretty solid week, you know, just uh, hanging out, looking. Now, I do want to ask you this question. So we're focusing, obviously, on a bunch of European topics and everything this week. We got Champions League, and we had to record it a day early, so we're not going to get all the scores in, which is no big deal. You can find that wherever you want, obviously. Um, Does it... Does sharing a continent with another country where a massive brawl happened. Is that in our world edition or is that in? No, that's fair. That could be a world edition thing because my God, that, that situation in Mexico was that. Yeah, we can definitely get into that because I'll tell you, man, like that, not to, not to spoiler alert you on, on what I'm about to say with all this when we talk about it, but I'll just go ahead and lay it out here for you. No place. Nowhere in the game should that be. That's not acceptable. You can't have a massive brawl like that. Um, and the punishments that were handed down were fairly harsh yeah. and good and rightfully harsh. And hopefully, you know, that that helps serve the purpose. But we will definitely talk about that situation. Uh, we will talk about your Manchester United mm. having a bit of a rough go. And where, oh, where is Cristiano Ronaldo? It's actually a great chant. <laughs> I don't know if you meant to do that or not, but that was I didn't, pretty good. But let's let's turn it into something. Yeah, D- can we make a chant for Cristiano Ronaldo's gleaming crotch? Because we also have to talk. <laughs> yes. We have to talk about that a little bit mm-hmm. too. Crotch rocket uh, mo- special. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, we will talk about the battle in the Premier League to stay up, or the teams that are going to take the massive drop. We will also talk about the battle for the top four in England because. It's getting a little a little dicey right there for a couple of teams all vying for that final and fourth spot. Uh, but we'll we'll start off here, Beamer, because you know obviously we don't like to delve into too much of the you know <laughs> actual news. We like to stick to mm-hmm. the sports, as some people like to say, stick to sports. It's not really our goal, but it is just something we happen to do. But hard to ignore what's going on in Ukraine, yep. uh, the horrible fighting there, and Russia invading, and and just. The awfulness of all that. So we are with Ukrainian people and and we hope for a swift and quick outcome here where Russia withdraws its forces. And yeah, we we don't want anybody suffering. We don't want any of that. But it's it's unfortunate that this is going on. Naturally, given the state of all that, there are questions being asked about what to do with all the Russian money that flows from that country. Right. right? I mean, There's a lot of oligarchs who have been put in place largely by the guy who's running the war, Vladimir Putin, Mm -hmm. and they own a lot of things. You know, yachts that are in other countries, those have been... Companies that are sponsors of big, giant European soccer clubs. Yes, right, exactly. Those sponsorships, many of those have been canceled. Uh, We've seen like Coke and Pepsi and all these other companies say, we're not even going to just, we're just going to leave your country. We're not even going to be in Russia while this is going on. So, of course, one of the biggest names in soccer is Chelsea, and Roman Abramovich owns Chelsea. He is, of course, one of those oligarchs from Russia that has the money to own a team like Chelsea. I also want to say that he owns the Palace of Versailles. Like, that's something... Does he really? I'm I'm pretty sure he does. Man, like, my goal in life is to maybe have enough scratch to have, like, an RV like down the road, like, like a really nice RV when I retire, maybe that would be cool. Or maybe like a vacation home somewhere, like not even a home, like a vacation condo, like in a giant building. That's what I like. That's my like, give me a timeshare. 
Yeah, like, if, boy, if life works out right, that's what I like. He's like, yeah, you know what I own? I own the Palace of Versailles. And so he doesn't. He the... does not own the Palace of Versailles. Oh. So that was wrong. I, I am swiftly. What does he? Does he? What did you think? The he, Kensington what? Palace Gardens. Oh well, okay. Sorry. So, <laughs> not not nearly as glamorous. Yeah. Still owns like a palace, the gardens of a palace. How do you even do that? I don't know. It's a great. They question. They put that on Zillow. You just. Like, oh, which palaces are for sale? Oh, looky there. His wealth includes a Cod d'Azur mansion, which is lived in by British King Edward, who abdicated the British throne in 1936. So uh, he also has that in his uh, portfolio. That's crazy. Man. Again, the amount of money these people have is staggering, like when it comes to the, the people who own sports teams and all that. But Roman Abramovich is rich among those rich and yes. we know why right i mean right. he's <laughs> a lot of that is from the natural resources that come from russia by the way for whatever it's worth if you ever want to understand not that i am an expert on any of this at all but if you ever want to understand like gazprom and and some of these other things that go on with russia and where they get all that money like from their natural resources of oil uh rachel maddow wrote a good book called blowout i highly recommend it if you're like i don't understand anything about oil natural gas fracking mm-hmm. like it's a really good book I, and if you're looking for something to at least maybe give you a way to kind of get some of the nervous energy out around all this crap that's going on but you don't really know what to do maybe educating yourself is one way to do that to at least have some idea of, of what's going on there right anyway i recommend that book for anybody i go on facebook to. for all my uh, my history lessons <laughs> and what's well, going make on sure you world. hop into a group don't just like read like a news site. Go to a group where it's just a bunch of yeah. people that have usernames that spell out clearly who they are and what they think and can't in any way possibly be. Or faked. get on 8chan. <laughs> Do that. Jeez. Yeah. Go right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, by the way, Sesame Street is now, I don't even know if we could have Sesame Street anymore. Between the letter Q and the letter Z, <laughs> we're running out of things. Because I. <laughs> We're running out of letters that we could be like happy with anymore. Yeah, All absolutely. Right. Um, so let's talk about Abramovich and and this whole thing with Chelsea. So obviously, many people around the world have pushed for Chelsea to be sold. You know, the Premier League does not want to have this guy be a part of it. From from the sound of it, yeah, rightfully he, so. Re, yeah, yeah, and and good. That's that's a that's a good call. Um, totally fine if you want to do that with other ownership too. By the way, you want to look into where other people's money comes from. But we'll we'll get there. Let's start with one one bad guy and move on. But Roman Abramovich has said, okay, fine. I hear you. I'm going to transfer stewardship of a club of the club to the board and, yep. and I'm going to be out, but I still own the team. And then that wasn't really good enough. And so then it became oh, okay, fine. I'll entertain offers for the club. I will sell the team. I don't believe you Roman Abramovich. I don't think he's actually going to sell this team. Or at least I think he is going to do everything in his power to avoid actually doing it. And the reason for that is because there's already he, he put a three billion dollar asking price on Chelsea. Right. Which, or I'm sorry, three billion pounds. So, yeah, three and a half million or three and a half billion dollars ish. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's a lot of money. Um, I'm surprised it's honestly not a little bit more given how big of a brand that is. But whatever. Um, here Here's the thing. There have already been a few groups that have emerged that have said, we'd be willing to do that. We would we would buy that. And they've put forth bids. He's already, I guess, if you believe the reports, he's already shut down some of these bids and said, no, that's not good enough. I don't want to sell to that person. Makes me wonder if if he's going to try to ride out this storm a little bit, see if how things go in this situation between Russia and Ukraine um, situation, this war yeah. that is, you know, Russian aggression. Then then I wonder if he's going to try to see, can I can I do this for six months and kind of say, no, I really am. I just need to make the financials work. I wonder if he'll if, if he'll be forced to sell it or if he will actually just kind of ride it out for a little bit, wait till the storm dies down and then say, you know what? In actuality, I've not found anybody that I think can truly run the club in the right way. And and and, and hoping I, I bet you he's hoping that feeling softened towards him. And I, I think he's overestimating his abilities there, but. I wonder if he will actually sell it. Yeah, I do too. And you look at this. So I think it was back in 2003 when he bought the club and Chelsea for 50 years hadn't won a league title, hadn't really done 
uh, anything. And so you go back and you look at the original price that he paid for the club. Uh, now we're asking for over three billion pounds. Well, he bought the club back in 03 for sixty bill or sixty million pounds. Uh, already Is that not crazy. Already quite the uh, return of you know ROI on that club. But to your point. I mean, it's already, Bone, we, we know this when we have sports team sales, whether it be here recently with the crew or, you know, you've got other teams around the U.S. or around the world that get bought and sold. I mean, there's already a limited, limited, limited amount of people in the world that can afford to purchase it, right? I mean, when you're talking about these groups of wealthy billionaires and, you know, millionaires that attach their name to it and they get like point oh 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 three percent of the returns or whatever it be. So there's already uh, a limited amount of uh, amount of people in the world that can afford to buy a club, especially as big as Chelsea. And he's asking for three billion uh, euro or three billion pounds, excuse me, and already an, an egregious asking price. So I'm with you in the train of thought that I, I don't know. You know, you can say no to any offer that you want. I mean, you're the owner of the club, and at the end of the day, if he doesn't want to sell it, then he's. I I would have a hard time believing and i think here's the delineation of right and wrong i have a hard time believing that the premier league can get together or the fa who or whoever oversees chelsea that they're going to step in and say roman you have to sell the club and to be honest i don't know with what he has done with the club if the people on his board and giving stewardship over to the club will make him sell it either so i'm in your camp of thinking right or wrong is that he's kind of going to wait this out and saying no don't want this fit for the club, cultural misidentifiers, all these different things. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I think he's going he's going to try his damnedest to keep it. And if someone doesn't step in and actually force him to sell it, then I, I don't think that sale is going to happen. Right. I mean, I, I it, it sounds all good, right? Like the thing that he said, you've got because some of the backstory on this, too, is, you know, with the British government, the the. Uh, Chris Bryant, member of the Britain Opposition Labor Party, told the House of Commons that Abramovich shouldn't be allowed to own an English football club. This is the day of the invasions, mm-hmm. right, when Russia started invading Ukraine. There have been sanctions on Russian billionaires around the world. Yep. Um, and so the thought is, all right, seems like things are going poorly for me. I don't necessarily want to have my money in this country, in England, where they're right. be hitting with sanctions. Right. The idea is that he wants to sell this club, get his money out of it, and move it to a place where he's not likely to be sanctioned or at least could protect some of his wealth. He then even said, whatever proceeds, the net proceeds, which good luck figuring out what that means. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> oh, this is net. But my, my yes, I made this much on the sale, but my net, given right. all I've spent on the club, yep. is actually only this. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I don't know. Anyway, it's actually a deficit. You owe me more. Yeah. Yeah. He says the net proceeds of any sale will he will set up a foundation to benefit all the victims of the war in Ukraine, which count me as skeptical. I know there are all these reports out there that he's really against this and doesn't like this war and wants Putin to stop. I, I, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll believe it when I see that guy like when I actually see Zelensky. it. Yes. Right. If I see Abramovich standing next to Zelensky. Okay. In opinions change. Shirt, yeah. Then I'm like, all right, then maybe you're in. Maybe you're on the right side of history here. But until I see that, I'm not buying it. Anyway, so that's that's why we're now at this point where he feels the pressure to sell. But I do wonder how likely it is for this to go through. Think about with Newcastle, right? Which, yeah. by the way, that's from the Saudi Arabian Wealth Fund, mm-hmm. the, the, the National fund. Wealth Fund. Right. That's That's who bought that team. That took over a year for the Premier League to approve it. Apparently, the leadership of the Premier League is saying they could clear this deal in 10 days or less if if the right buyer is found. But there's also that aspect of it's it's got to be the right buyer. Yep. It's got to be someone he wants to sell to. And it's got to be approved by everyone involved, which I, I love. Don't know how, I some, don't know how any of that works, by the way, either when you're dealing with that amount of money. Oh, well, I mean, it's I know I don't either. I, the, you know what I mean? The, like my, my that, actual comprehension of that does not exist. Yeah. Like I understand going and getting a car loan yep. or a mortgage. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting to me because it's not also like a lot of these rich buyers. Like, let's say, I don't know, name your rich guy decides to go buy this team. They don't just write a check that says, well, I'm I'm worth $12 billion. Right. Here's $4 billion. There you go. I, I own it. Now I'm only worth $8 billion. No, like they don't do that. They don't use their own money. They they borrow all of this money at a ridiculously low interest rate. 
the proceeds from the team go back to paying off the loan. So by the end of their time, yeah. they've put none of their actual cash out. They, of course, have put their name on the line and they're responsible for the debt. But assuming the sports team functions like a sports team, it's going to make money. It's going to increase in value. They get to take the difference between the amount of money that they are you know, paying out in loan repayments every month versus their actual wealth that's growing in another market. So let's say your interest rate is 1.5% on your $3 billion purchase, but if your actual $3 billion you have that you could buy the team with is making 7% in another, you know what I mean? Right. Like they don't even, they're not even touching their own money and they get to own the team. And then when they sell it, they've probably paid off the loan with all the proceeds of the team and all the profits they've made. And then they just get to sell the team and keep the straight cash, homie. Like what a racket that is! So, no wonder Boy, they say I there's already rich. <laughs> like it <laughs> seems like that for today. That seems like the goal. Yeah, uh, there are 20 potential bidders in the process so far, according to Bloomberg. Which, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. What I what I really like Beam, and I don't know how much you've kept up with this family, but the Ricketts family who own oh, the Chicago yeah. Cubs. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've not paid attention to baseball. That's fine. The Ricketts family has been telling anyone who will listen, oh, gosh, it's been so tough with the pandemic. We didn't have as many mm. gates as we mm-hmm. usually get. We don't have any money to yeah, spend on players. Yeah, those $3 old style sales are, you know, killing <laughs> profits for you. Right. They are one of the groups saying, oh, yeah, we've got $3.5 billion to go buy Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Now, who knows if they'll get it. Woody Johnson, who is the Jets owner, he's interested in buying it. Vivek Ranadive, who owns the Sacramento Kings, Talk about up upping your portfolio. Yeah. Hey, I own the Sacramento Kings, a team no one cares about. Hey, I own Chelsea, one of the most popular and profitable brands in the world. Like, that's that's pretty good money if you can do that. Do you know the last team that sold in the Premier League? Um, uh, prior to, like, prior to the Newcastle, the Newcastle deal. Sale. Um, Leicester. Um. That actually, you know what? That might be right. I was, I was, I was, <laughs> I was not thinking of that one. You're right. I was thinking of like, let me back up of like the the big teams. And I know Lester has been big er of late. Well, that would be uh, Stan the Man Kroenke buying Arsenal, correct? I think he bought it before this one. Okay. Liverpool is who I was thinking of. Oh in yeah, with the LeBron because, party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and John Henry who owns the Red Sox. But yeah, that was all. Yeah, LeBron was in that deal too. It's it's not often you see teams the. They don't you know, come the available. Heft. They're just not available. Well, the teams of the the weight and heft of a Chelsea. And I and I know that like not a lot of Chelsea fans right now want to like talk about this aspect of it. And I don't blame them because you're probably glad to see Roman Abramovich go because he's a bad dude. Like, I don't care. You're a Russian oligarch. I don't care how much he's talking about donating some money to Ukraine. I think you're a bad dude. But there's probably there's probably some honesty there of some Chelsea fans saying I hope whoever buys the team does as well with the books as, you know, bringing in players. Not that you're giving Roman Abramovich any credit for that, but can't deny that Chelsea has spent pretty well over the last, you know, few decades since he took ownership. I mean, they're reigning Champions League uh, title holders. Right. I mean, that's that's a that's a lofty thing that the next ownership group is going to have to be a part of Abramovich again. Horrible person. You're not rooting for him to keep the team. I don't think any Chelsea fans who are paying attention to any of this are rooting for that, right? Roman Abramovich is worth like $14 billion. Mm-hmm. A lot of those names that I'm talking to you about, like that I brought up there, they're not worth $14 billion. Like well, they're it's worth hard to get to that number. Well, they're worth billions of dollars, but a lot of their billions are tied up in their teams that they already own. Mm-hmm. So you look at what like Stan Kroenke has done with Arsenal, which we could we could do whole shows on that and we probably should at some point. Cronky bought the team and then instantly went into oh yeah, I'm going to and you're right actually. Now that I think about it, Cronky's bought the team later than that Liverpool deal. I'm it was like mistaken. 2010, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I I, I could well whatever. Doesn't what matter. I know is this. He has taken that team and then instantly started taking out loans against the team. Yeah. Took out debt on the team to fund his other businesses, but wouldn't pump his own money, rumored to have never pumped his own money into that team. Mm. I mean, that's that's something that I know fans of 
any professional sports team are looking at when and and I do when I look at how these people operate you know are you willing to put your own money into what's going on in the product so that's I'm sure what a lot of Chelsea fans as much as they want Abramovich out and rightfully so Anthony Precourt put a bunch of money into Columbus Bone don't you know that (laughs) yeah Yeah, he he fixed the scoreboard Mm -hmm. it caught on fire the Mm -hmm. day he was visiting the team so I mean (laughs) can't hate him for that jeez all right, so there you go. That's the latest on uh, a, a bad situation and uh, hopefully one that gets better on many levels, but obviously we'll keep an eye on it. And we'll see if Roman Abramovich actually sells this team. We'll, yeah, I'm, we'll fa- I'm fascinated to look at this too. I mean, and also like you mentioned, I mean, how do you uphold the lofty standards? Because as much as, you know, say that he's a bad guy and that he is and he should sell the team, which he should, like the guy has brought a lot of, of trophies. And I know in the grand scheme of things, that means nothing with what's going on, of course, over in Europe. But at the same time, if you want to keep your expectations up to the level, like he's done a pretty damn good job of that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I know. And that's, that's, what's hard to swallow about yeah, that is totally to give any type of praise to a guy like that, but it's something that happens, unfortunately. Um, all right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we will talk more about uh, Everton's woes, violence in Mexico, Cristiano Ronaldo's, shiny crotch mm. area all of that and more coming up next right here on bone beam united brought to you by zaptic italian village welcome back to bone and beam united so uh let's talk some manchester united beamer no i don't want to actually thank you pass you <laughs> can talk pass about on it. that yep okay mm-hmm. yeah that's um well look we got to talk about it because it was not a good derby for uh, Manchester United as they went up against Manchester City and were absolutely thrashed yep. four to one. Yep, that's not good. Um, also, uh, not happy about that was the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo not not in the squad mm. for that. That's. That's a bit of a story, huh, Beamer? What do you have to say about all that? Yeah, I've been following that this week, and it was uh, pretty peculiar, right? I mean, you're following everything right before the match, like who's going to be in the uh, the starting lineup. Okay, great. This is good. What is the match started at? I think 1130 on Sunday, and you get the news like, oh, Ronaldo's not even with the team. Oh, great. He's not in the 11. He's not in the 18 either. Okay, well, this is interesting. I mean, maybe he picked up a knock. Maybe he's injured in training, which he's never really been hurt before, but somehow by uh, the magic of Manchester United, he's just picking up injuries left and right. So as the English press does, believe them or not, he was not even with the team on Sunday for their game. He jetted back to his home in Portugal, and I guess that caused a giant riff within the Manchester locker room because they said, well, obviously having Cristiano Ronaldo here for pregame speech, something uh, to get the guys excited about the game, going up against the best team in the league, going up against your rival. It's only sits a few miles away. Uh, you know, we would like to have Cristiano Ronaldo there, even if he isn't fully healthy. And now all of a sudden he's nowhere to be seen and he's kind of getting dragged in the mud here. And I agree with that. I mean, we can debate on whether or not Cristiano Ronaldo is a good person. I tend to believe that he's not, but he is one of the greatest soccer players of all time. I would think that having him in your locker room right before a game, your biggest game of the season in which you couldn't really afford to drop any points and you needed three, that that guy was at least going to bring a little bit of pop to your locker room and he was nowhere to be found. No, not not at all. And yeah, it's it depends on who you believe here, right? Because Ralph Ranick says, no, it was a hip issue. Yeah, uh-huh. Doctors ruled him out. And Ronaldo apparently was, again, this is all based on, you know, <laughs> reports from tabloids in the UK, but they are saying that Ronaldo was quote stunned by the fact that he was not going to be made available mm. for this game. And so that's why he just said, all right, then I'm out. And that's not the right way to handle it. And I don't blame him for being ticked off about it. If he really felt he could play and he got ruled out by his own team, uh, flying off to Portugal, not the right way to deal with that frustration and yeah it probably would have meant something to the team to have him be around at least and you know but he that's that's not him for for those who are not aware that's Mm. not Cristiano Ronaldo's Mm -hmm. style typically so yeah a little little bit of a problem there and 
looking at the standings here, Beamer, I mean, it's a, it's a tough race for you guys to try to get into the top four. I well, mean, I almost is, think it's an impossible race, actually. That's what I, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that, That's at, how I read the table. I don't know about you, but the math uh, on that doesn't really seem to add up uh, the more games you play. And by the way, I mean, their schedule's not getting easier. You just play Tottenham this weekend, and Tottenham just destroyed uh, Everton, uh, of course, over the weekend. But yeah, you start to look at this. Uh, you start to look at United. You start to look at the table, and I know we'll get into odds here in a second, and like who, you know, um, stats favor to go through and all that stuff. But United sit on, I'll just read you the table. I'll yep. read you the top six. City are in first with 28 games played, 69 points. Nice. Uh, Liverpool, 27 games played, 63 points. Okay, so that gap is starting to get a little closer between Liverpool and City. I don't know if they'll catch them uh, with only 11 games remaining, but it's closer than it was a month ago. Chelsea, not in the title race anymore. Pretty much cemented in third place. 26 matches played, 53 points. Arsenal, 25 games played, a point above United on the table. And again, United with 28 games played and a point behind Arsenal. Do the math right there. That's, That's tough. Uh, already tough to make up ground. Then you have West Ham in sixth on 28, 28 games, 45 points. And then Tottenham right behind them. Uh, same amount of points, different goal differential. Yeah. So... It's it's going to be a very difficult battle for Manchester United to not again. It's it's only one point. It's not like you're that far out. But just look at the, the games, games, though. The games at hand for Arsenal. That's that's going to be tough. The fact that you also know that there's all this drama surrounding a lot of what's going on with Manchester United. I don't feel like Arsenal's in that same spot where it's quite the level of drama. So. Can they? Can Manchester United overcome some no. of these, you know, <laughs> no issues that they've had in the locker room and try to get over that? Bone, moment? you dropped Marcus Rashford just totally off your team. He came in and played well, fifteen right. minutes. Didn't look like he wanted a part of it. Now there's everything going around that he's not even in consideration for the World Cup squad in November for England. And then you have the whole disaster of dropping Ronaldo and Cavani off your lineup when apparently they're fully healthy. They're a mess right now. Oh yeah, well right. I mean, it's it's been, you know, and there's it's there's something scandals, every day scandals off the field, right? Play. I mean, the whole thing. Like, there's this is a yeah. It, it's a it's a tough deal to try to figure out how Manchester United makes it into the top four again. Weird to say, knowing there's only one point differential here, but you're the one who follows this team as much as anyone. You're the one who sees their ups and downs. They don't. To me, from the outside looking in, they don't feel like a team that's going to. They'll get close and they'll miss it by a few points. Or like where they are right now, they'll stay. They'll stay right there and then miss it ultimately by a couple points. Or here's what my theory: you crash out in the Premier League and you put all your eggs into the basket of winning Champions League, so you get the automatic qualifier into next year. That's how that works. <laughs> that's that is. I mean, that's it's a theory. Sure. It's a theory. <laughs> it's a theory. It may be actually be the easiest one on tap for them, which is crazy to say. Yeah. Well, and and if we'll we'll know if Cristiano Ronaldo suddenly is magically yeah. healthy and his hip is great. You know what I mean? Like not that not that that was Rania trying to lose to Manchester City. I don't think that. But to your point, maybe if the effort is we don't have to split our vision on. Are we making are we making the Champions League through making it into the top four, or are we making it just by winning the whole damn thing? Again, I think one is slightly tougher to do. <laughs> I think winning Champions League slightly tougher than overtaking Arsenal in the standings, yeah, right? Because news, uh, you're going to have to face that Manchester City t City team at some point in the Champions <laughs> League. That oh, just beat the that. hell out of you. Imagine a a City a Manchester derby. No, I don't want to. You oh. You do. The want good it. news is that Anthony Alonga and Jadon Sancho are playing well. Other than that, the whole team is poop. And Fred, by the way, Fred, is, Fred and David De Gea have been MVPs this year, which is crazy for me to say that, but that's yeah. the way it is. Yeah. They they've both played very well, um, and that's that's good to see for them. Now let's talk about one of the other teams that's kind of in the mix there to make that final spot. You mentioned West Ham. You mentioned Tottenham. Mm -hmm. Tottenham, as you said, decimated, destroyed yeah. Everton to the tune of what five nothing. It was two nothing. Just you know, a couple minutes into this game, it almost felt like you had an own goal. You, you had uh, just Harry Kane scoring goals. Like it's, which by the way, I did not realize that Harry Kane has climbed to uh, sixth all time on the Premier League goal scorer list, past this guy Thierry Henry. Yeah, that guy was pretty good. Pretty good, Harry Kane. Pretty good too. So Harry and yeah, Terry. I mean, obviously, 
Yeah, Harry Kane spending the majority of his career, you know, in the Premier League. Thierry Henry has played, you know, a few different places. But still, the point is that's a really good total there. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about Tottenham a little bit and how good they are. I mean, the weird thing is it's hard to take anything from that game because Everton's been so bad. Like, I, I don't know that I can say for sure Tottenham has just really figured it out or if that's more of a... a, a an indictment on how bad Everton's been this year. Well, I think you look at, um, you know, the last couple of weeks for Tottenham, it's kind of been, uh, you know, roundabout, I guess, because they did lose to Middlesbrough uh, in the FA Cup uh, just a few weeks ago, or not a few weeks ago, last week, actually, uh, in the midweek fixture. So, again, I mean, it gets all down to, okay, what are you focused on, right? I mean, big club like Tottenham, they're usually uh, in the Champions League in some semblance of a group stage. Uh, they're playing in, in these cup games. Well, right now you look at what, Tottenham has in front of them they're out of all the cups and all they have remaining on their schedule are Premier League games and so you know literally all of your eggs are in one basket and I do feel like this is where it comes to right master master craftsmen at their job and I think Pep is so good at it and I hate him and I love him at the same time just because he decimates me on a year in year out basis but you look at Tottenham the goal is easier for them you know, you've got 10 games left, 11 games left, whatever they have on their schedule. Put all your eggs into these baskets. We're going to run out our full 100% lineup all the time. And teams who are battling in these cup ties, and that's why I think it's so impressive what Liverpool continue to do, what Chelsea continue to do, what City continue to do. I mean, you're fighting battles on like four fronts at, at different times, and you're playing different lineups, and you have to have different chemistry. Tottenham, the goal for them has been simple. Get the ball to Harry Kane, get the ball to Sonny, and then just let them go, let them score. Their defense has been great. Uh, and so goal's pretty simple for them. You make noise in the Premier League, you're going to be likely making the top four. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're exactly right on that. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens, man. This Coming down to the wire in this, I know that uh, 538, they, they put together some really good information and some, some I don't know, projections as to where your team's going to finish mm -hmm. and how these – you know, battles are going to shake out. It's <laughs> it's going to be really close at the top for that final spot, the fourth spot. It's also going to be really close in the relegation battle. Yep. And Everton being only a point above the drop right now. Now, according to 538, they believe that Everton's schedule is going to work out a little better and they're going to actually get cleared just barely, but they're going to make it out. Right now, uh, They 538 has Everton's percentage of getting relegated down to 31 percent that's not a game i'd like to play <laughs> no that's risky fan. yep that's a one out of three man that's that is risky business right now uh for comparative purposes so everton sitting on 22 points newcastle like the team they they have with the lowest chance that's not less than one percent newcastle a seven percent chance of getting relegated yeah and they play then, them next week that's a big game right that's a huge game, right? If Newcastle can bury Everton there, not bury them, but Newcastle could pretty much say, yeah, we're, we're good. We're not getting relegated. They win that game. I think their percentage would go down significantly from that. Uh, Brentford, the Bees, uh, they're on 27 points, one point behind Newcastle. They've got a 12% chance of staying, uh, of 12% chance of getting relegated. Yeah. So <laughs> pretty good. If you came in and said, hey, Brentford, with 11 games to go or whatever it is, you're going to have an almost 90% chance of staying up. They'd take they that. Fans would have taken that every chance they got. Everton has a 31% chance of getting relegated. Leeds, 37%. Burnley, 36%. Now, Burnley actually sits in the relegation zone right now. They're at 36%. My dear Watford, 81% yep. chance of getting relegated. You know, you should just pick a team Boy. because Watford is going to get relegated this year. Next year, when we restart the Premier League, you should just pick Manchester City or Liverpool as your team and yeah, just and see I, what happens. I picked because I picked Fulham and then they went gone. Down. Yeah. Watford gone. gone. Sunderland's already dead. Yeah. Sunderland. That's I, been I a long gone. Seven different ways from Sunday. They've, they've died <laughs> horrible deaths every chance you get. So and then even Peterborough like Brother Bone is yep. like, you got to root for Peterborough. I'm like, all right, well, they're in the championship. I'll root for them. Guess what? They're probably getting relegated. Don't you ever cheer for the Shrimpers. They've gone down two leagues since we started this podcast. No, I will. I will never. I will never say a thing about the Shrimpers. How about that? <laughs> I will leave them alone. Good. By the way, Brother Bone, I saw him over the weekend, and he brought back the program. Oh, from nice. The Manchester City, you know, FA Cup match that they had, where they lost. Peterborough lost to Manchester City. No shame in that. 
He said it was a great environment, had a great time. But he showed me the program. He's like, turn it to page like 67 or whatever. And I flip it open and two page, two page spread of my brother. Oh, my God. In this program oh about like his journey as a fan and why he keeps coming to these games. <laughs> and they dude, he got interviewed by the BBC <laughs> three different times <laughs> while he was there. That doesn't surprise me, actually. The, the mayor of Peterborough was like, anytime you come back, dinner's on me. Bring the family. We'll shut down a restaurant and have dinner. This dude is like, I don't even know how to quantify. Like, what? what is that? Like, the... the how does having, that happen? Well, right. I'm saying, like, having a place in the world where, like, here at home, he's he's just like a guy. Not that he's like he's a bad guy or anything but he's just he has his job he does real estate in case you ever need a realtor look him up mm-hmm. eric smith but he does real estate he does okay for himself he enjoys this he likes this line of work his a normal regular life it's not like he walks around and everyone's just like oh hey what's up man like he's not like famous or well-known around here but in this random town in england <laughs> he's at least somewhat known to the point that the owners of the team, the mayor of the town, and the local media would be like, oh, yeah, the American fan. Like, they know him. Just imagine if, like, you could drop a pin on a map, and, like, if you showed up in that place at any time, there'd be a dozen people who are like, oh, hey, it's you. What do you do with that as currency? You know what I mean? How do you how do you capitalize on that, I guess, is what I'm saying. Well, or I think he th- already is. Yeah, right. I guess so. Right. He, he's going over there and enjoying enjoying all that. But I'm just saying, like, how do you prove that to anyone else? Like, how do you come back later and be like, no, I'm actually I'm a big well deal over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're out to dinner, You're with, out to dinner with a date. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a pretty big deal in Peterborough. I don't know what is even a Peterborough. Right. Exactly. Well, and he said he was he was talking with the owners. They like invited him up to have a little chat, you know, before the game. And it wasn't the guys who actually own Manchester city, like they didn't show up to this, but one of their representatives was like some representative of ownership has to be there. So he's standing next to like owners of Peterborough United and the representative of the ownership for Manchester city. (laughs) And they're just having a chat. And he's just like, oh, yeah, telling about his travels and getting hung up at the airport and this and that. And that guy's like, listen here, man, I don't give a flip about that story. I'm just here because I have to be. (laughs) I don't really give two shits about you. But yes, thanks. Nice to meet you. Yeah. So anyway, we went down that rabbit hole because I kill teams that I root for when it comes to soccer teams. So yeah, next year, Manchester City, I'm rooting for you. And the Green Bay Packers. Please do that for me. (laughs) That'd be great. That's good. It's working out really well for them. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. We we uh, we will talk a little bit more Premier League in a moment, but let's shift gears and talk about this this debacle in Mexico. Ooh. So this was this was quite the thing. Um, this is a Liga MX soccer match between Carretero and Atlas or Atlas that left 26 people injured. A mm. uh, couple people were in critical condition. I don't know the latest on their status, but. The president of Liga MX, uh, Mikel Ariola, and the president of the Mexican Football Federation, Jan de Luisa, they announced that fans will be barred from Carretero home games for one year yeah. because of this fight. The ban applies to all home games uh, at their stadium, including those played by the women's and youth teams. In addition, a fan group known as the Barras will be banned from the stadiums for three years. So that specific supporters group, those fans will be gone for three years. Uh, the team has also uh, been ordered to be sold. Yeah. Which is, and Liga Emekis did not F around with this, like, at all. They said, you're selling this team. They have to give it back to the previous owners, Grupo Caliente, uh, which also owns Tijuana, Club Tijuana, which is also a Liga Emekis team. So that is, that is, that is amazing that, Th- that amount of swift punishment has come down. Well, it's crazy to look at too, because you look all over Europe and, you know, if you ever wonder why, you know, some of these Italian teams or, you know, other teams in champions league that you're watching have empty stadiums. It's not because of a lack of a fan base. It's because of literally, you know, uh, these sanctions and everything that's been imposed in the club is coming down from UEFA. 
I have to say, when all this came down, because I was shocked to see it on Monday, they postponed the rest of the Liga MX games. I don't know how long, I don't even know if they're playing this weekend. I don't know what that is, but I saw the rest of the games for that day uh, were postponed in the league. So I don't know if they're making that up through the, this week or whatever they're doing. But that's as, as swift and harsh of a punishment that I have ever seen in sports, ever, for yeah. fan actions, ever. Quick. I right. mean, it was 24 hours later. From the time that this incident happened to the time of those sanctions came down and you have to sell the club and your fans are banned for a year and there's some sort of like three year imposing of a, uh, I, I don't even, I didn't, I was not able to comprehend well, they, everything that actually went on in these punishments that were doled out. Yeah. They said that the, the, one of the groups of fans is banned for three okay. years, but all fans are banned for a year. They will play empty stadium matches for three years or for, for a year. Sorry. The, so I'll say this because I think there's a temptation and I think it's it's a wrong instinct that some people have where they will look at, you know, we've heard about soccer matches in Brazil that there's been, you know, like, low, you know, you, there's been violence at lower level matches yeah. in South America where like a referee's been stabbed mm-hmm. and you'll hear that story. And there's this temptation by some people who will look at that and be all like, oh, soccer fans are crazy right. or What's even worse and more insidious is when people are like, oh, soccer fans from this part of the yep. country or this part yep. of the world. Or, and it's like, let's stop that. Let's be real. The real talk with T-Bone here for a second. This type of soccer violence that you saw in Mexico could very well happen at an NFL game in a town near where you live or grow up. It could easily happen at a Major League Baseball game. It's not as likely, right, in Major League Baseball because the, the culture's not quite the same for that type of environment. Mm-hmm. It could definitely happen at an NBA game uh, or a hockey game. or Happened at any a college basketball sport. game last night. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes, it, there was in, in college basketball. What tournament was that? I don't was, know what it was, but conference. it was Bryant and somebody else was playing. I don't yeah, know. like, yeah, there was, there, was, there was violence at that. I mean, what I'm saying is, the reason why ownership is forced to sell their team in this situation, I think that's a spot on instinct by the, the Mexican soccer federation is to say, no, you, you failed at protecting the fans yep. and you have, you have created an environment that allowed this to simmer to the point that it boiled over. And basically what you had was Caratero fans attacking anyone in an Atlas Jersey. Right. I mean, they're, they're like, the videos are hard to watch, but they are out there if you want to. Like you can see these fans; they're swinging folding chairs. I mean, it looks like a WWE wrestling match, Literally. but it's not yeah. with actual WWE participants. They, there was a guy out there just swinging like a metal pole, just chasing. And you see, I, think I had a like, trash can or some sort of yeah. canister. Like it was terrible to watch. So why does this occur? Uh, in my opinion, it is not because. Well, you know, people who go to Mexican soccer games are more prone to violence. It's not that. It's the fact that, number one, there may be some bad actors who go to these games, but there's bad actors that go to any game, mm-hmm. right? You put 50, 60, 70,000 people in a space, there's going to be some people who are capable of violence in any of those situations. What you can't do is allow a system to be in place that makes it easy for fans to come together find the other violent yeah. sectors of the fan group yeah. and then say, let's go join up and do something. And, and you don't see that. That is where, you know, most like American sports franchises, look at all the security measures, look at all the things that are done before you come into these games. Right. You know, the, the, everything is just meant to be on a different way where you hopefully, yes, you see it in NFL games all the time. You see a couple fans get drunk and start punching each other. And then what do you see? You see Everybody jumping guys, in there trying to break it up. Yeah, or and you see like twelve guys in yellow stadium yep. security shirts coming in, mm-hmm. and they just drag everyone away. And then later you find out those people are banned for life from these stadiums or whatever. You know, like y- you just have to come down harsh on this. And I'm glad that the you know parties involved here did. I think you can go even further than what was done here by uh, Liga Mekis, but good for them for everything that's happening because of this, they, they need to make some changes. And it, it is, it does fall to me ultimately on the leadership. Like the people are responsible for their, you actions have failed your fans. Things. You have failed to keep your fans safe. 
yes, that's it. Like you, you have not created an environment. I'll, I'll give you a prime example. The fact you have barbed wire on some of the fan yeah. sections, that is a prime example of the failure of the systems you've put in place. Because th- that to me is akin to like a parent not knowing how to raise their kids. And they're like, well, I'm just going to put them in a cage because mm-hmm. then they can't get in trouble and they can't hurt themselves. And it's like, yeah, you're not being a good parent. If you lock your kid in the cage, because that means you don't develop any trust with them. You don't talk with them. You don't know them. You don't know how to stop them from doing harmful things. And you don't have any type of relationship like that. You're just you're just that's what you're doing here by putting barbed wire up around these fan sections. You're just saying, like, I don't trust you. I don't know you go crazy in there, but don't come over here. Right. Don't mess with try to climb. Right. And, And then that that is that is encouraging more violence than it is preventing it. So. Yeah, I, I hope that they learn from this. I hope the Mexican Soccer Federation and the, the teams involved learn from this. But God, what a horrible situation. And yeah, I just it touched off with me because, you know, I've I've been a supporter of the crew for years. I've sat with supporters sections mm-hmm. and there have been times where I have felt the rising tension in the stands, especially at away games. I've seen it a couple times where, you know, some rival fans get in the faces of you know, the, the crew fans and the rival fans get in each other's faces and there's some words exchanged. And this was back, you know, 10, 15 years ago when I was much younger and everyone in those situations, you know, much younger. You don't want to have guys between the ages of 18 and 25 with yeah. lots of testosterone and beer yeah. popping off like that. It's bound to happen that a few guys are going to get chesty and say a few words. You got to have systems in place to prevent what you saw in Mexico. And, and, that's the only reason that I didn't end up in a brawl like that. Not that I was looking for any of that, but sitting in supporter sections all the times I did. The only reason I didn't end up in some kind of brawl like this is because it it wasn't allowed. Yeah, there the uh, there are a lot of systems in place, whether you know it or not, at sporting events that prevent this from happening. So, uh, and the best part too is that you don't even notice them for the most like ninety five percent of the like time. Most, you're not noticing most fans. Yeah. don't notice them, and and most fans are not aware. But like. Look, it's it was really annoying if you ever sat in the Nordeca, you know, at the old place. Yeah. Where if you came in and it's like, where's your ticket? And it's like, oh, I'm just meeting a friend down here. It's like, nope, sorry, yeah. you're out of yeah. here. They still they do did. that. They still do that at the, at the new place. Yeah, but the reason they do that is because they know people will dress up. You know that like, or it it has happened in the past. People dress up in another jersey. They show up. They get in there. They start making noise. They get a few other people in there, and all of a sudden, there's a fight that breaks up. Yep. They they are trying to prevent that, and that good. That's the way it should be. But that is not a soccer thing. That is not a Mexico thing. That is a lots of people in a space thing, and you have to be aware of that. And good for Mexico, hopefully, for trying to fix that. I just want to say, quick aside, bravo for you for for saying all that. Like that was tremendous. Oh. Well, I, I, you know, do I mean, I don't I, compliment I, I, you often. I usually <laughs> yell at you, but that was, that was remarkable. What, what you just uh, did. Well, I well, thoroughly I, enjoyed I, that. Well, sorry to rant. It's a, it's a sore subject because I do. I love supporter culture. I, I enjoy supporter culture. I don't enjoy this aspect of it. And I feel like sometimes people just lump it all together and yeah. I'm like, well, that's soccer fans for you. And right. It's like, no, it's not. Right. It's not at all. Actually. It's just soccer fans are more unified than most other you don't see that at a baseball game you don't see a cheering section typically of two thousand people well, that's because nothing you know? happens but yeah well right yeah um actually i take that back mets fans have the seven line army what a name but that's <laughs> they they go and they they do travel to games and i'm you know what good like don't do that don't go fighting they don't they just mostly go and like drink beer and cheer on their crappy, terrible Mets team. But <laughs> yeah, I'd I'd be more for supporters groups. I think that's great. Put them in the outfield, like yell at the bullpen. That's fun. Um, all right, we're gonna end on a <laughs> on a stupid note, yep. I guess. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, his statue, uh, which is in his uh, hometown, right of Madeira. So this was Portugal? the one with oh, the. No. Uh, Funchal, Portugal. I believe. This was, I think, the one with the, with the messed up face, right? Did we, didn't we get the change in that face, or was that somewhere I think, else? I, you know what, I I want to say that one was in the airport. I think you're right about that. This one is like, this is the one that when they unveiled this statue, it was him standing in his famous pose that he does when he's getting ready to take a free mm-hmm. kick, where he's got his arms to his side and he's kind of like his legs are kind of like in an A shape. Big deep breath. Yeah, everybody yeah, knows yeah, the stance. Yeah. yeah. But this statue was unique because it definitely looked like the wind was blowing in his face mm. when they carved this statue because all the fabric on the statue, it's 
we're meant to see that it's pressed against his flesh. Yeah. And it awesome. And it allows for the bulges of like his pectoral <laughs> muscles and his abdominals, but his also riblets. there's a there's a prominent bulge mm. right in between the legs that everybody noticed when that statue was carved. <laughs> so apparently if you go to uh again, this is in Funchal, Portugal, where this statue was unveiled in 2019. So just a few years old, and we had a pandemic. So think about if more people could travel, right? Jesus. I mean, this statue apparently this would be worn out. Go go look at the pictures of it. The hands are tarnished because, you know, people have touched them so much. The the statue's coloring is different at the hands than it is anywhere else in the statue. And also the crotch area, because the oils from our hands get on the hands or anywhere you're touching. That's quite it, an impressive bulge. It, right? That's like, what I'm, I'm looking saying. at the like, pictures now. Like, that's... Well, I mean, I can understand people who come up to it and they're like, what am I supposed to do with this? I guess I'm supposed to touch that. I mean, it's a... It's pretty prominent, right? So, there's... You can go and a lot of the articles that are about this, you can go see the pictures of people touching it and posing with it. And, yeah, there's a lot of pictures of people, men, women, whoever, just grabbing onto the bulge. The battle of the bulge, if you will. <laughs> trying to... Figure it out. Uh, maybe that's why Cristiano missed the match against City. Maybe he was going back to oil up his bulge. You know, maybe he was going to re-patina his bulge. I don't know. It could be something there. <laughs> the patinaed bulge. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we got the title for the episode. So I think we good. did too. Right in the yeah. right at right at the buzzer bone. Yep, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a last second shot by you. Good job. All right, Always that's is. it for us. Uh, this weekend, of course, uh, you are going to, I know, be out at Zaftig Italian Village to try to catch some of the Manchester United game prior to the crew game. They take on Tottenham. Big yeah. match there. Looking forward. If, I am looking forward to the beers. I'm not looking forward to the match. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be stressful. Mm-hmm. I don't blame you for that. Uh, yeah, so hopefully you have a great week. Next week on the show, we'll be back to talking about the crew. Uh, so they have a game against Toronto. Hopefully they don't blow it like they did against San Jose. <sighs> Well, we'll, yeah, we'll talk all about that mm-hmm. next week, and hopefully we have some better outcome to talk about, and we can break down uh, your guy Milos and yeah. how he's how he's interacting so far and so much more to get to. Again, if you like the new format, let us know. If you hate it, let us know, too, on Twitter, at Bone Beam United. We will talk to you next week. It is Bone and Beam United, brought to you by Zaftig Italian Village.